What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode, Brad Spielberger in his weekly spot. In Jetsland, there is never a shortage of content. As we went to record yesterday, Zach Wilson was reluctant to play football. Now Aaron Rodgers is currently speaking in studio at uh, at Seaport and, uh, you know, investigating the rat in the building um, and the, and then trying to weed out the uh, weed out the snakes in the grass. And uh, Tim Boyle, the legend, legendary Tim Boyle was cut and, and the Jets finally signed Brett Rippon after trying to sign him multiple times this year. Um, hopefully he starts because he's at least entertaining to watch play football. He might throw five picks, but who gives a shit? Because he'll at least throw probably 500 yards worth of funny Garrett Wilson stat padding uh, throws. Brad, how we doing? Um, yeah, I know the Bears are usually content, but the Jets are uh, they're they're undefeated this uh, this game. Bears have been quiet, uh, you know, just kind of ch- chugging along and and not creating all these headlines. Yeah, it's certainly been fun to follow the Jets. And to the ribbon point, just get right into the football aspect, like. It's akin to, I got asked this morning, you know, well, Kenny Pickett isn't turning the ball over, so is it a big loss going from head to Mitchell Trubisky? No, I don't care if you're not turning the ball over, if you're also not crossing midfield and scoring any points whatsoever. Like, I get it. You want to play complimentary football. You want to lean on a good defense, yada, yada, yada. The Jets defense just held, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter to like 40% completion rate, held the run game to three yards of carry and still lost with a safety um, and a bunch of other good plays. Like you have to move the ball. And yeah, Brett Ribbon's fun. Like I- I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, he-, he might be terrible, but he's a fun terrible. Um, the Tim Boyle terrible is like the worst kind of the worst kind of watch because they're bad and they don't take any risks. So it's like you- you're you're just like assuming a check down's coming no matter what. Obviously, I talked a little bit about the Falcons game. We'll get into the Zach stuff. And I want to talk a little big picture on what could happen here. Um, you know, the season could go one of two ways, and the way it's trending, it's going to go away. We're going to talk about any takeaways from that Falcons game. I basically, to recap you on what I said yesterday, the only takeaways you really have are Gary Wilson's open all the time, and he's really good. Um, the defense is awesome. Special teams is really good, especially when Justin Hardy's in there and the offense has one or two pieces that give you hope and then they can't get out of their own way. And it's and Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon both stuff. Like that's really that's what you got. And Zach Wilson's marginally better than the worst quarterback in NFL history. Yeah, no, I think it was good to see Xavier Gibson produce downfield, right? Not just a bunch of jet sweeps or, you know, line of scrim- at the line of scrimmage stuff, but actually, you know, five catches, only 25 yards after after the catch, I want to say, out of 75 total, whatever it was. Uh, he forced three missed tackles per us, had the 36-yarder, you know, the big chunk gain. So that was very, very good to see. Like, you know, he's never going to be a number two, number three receiver, but like adding pieces like that, when you're getting nothing from Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, et cetera, it, it goes a long way. And it's good to have, you know, some unearthed, undrafted free agent talent. And then for the defense, because it's going to be a continued conversation about Quinn Williams not having sack production. He's probably the best run defender in the NFL this season. Um, and I think you saw that again. And the in Jets this game. get run on more than any team in the NFL. So that's a huge compliment. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and like, he, uh, I don't even know what his run D grade is, but I know he's top five for us in defensive stops against the run, run stop, win rate, all these various things. And you just watch the film, though. Like, he's in the backfield on pretty much every single play, um, whether it's a pass or a run. But 
I mean, even the plays he's not making, the tackles he's not making, the play is probably flowing away from him, or a guy cuts back and goes a different direction because he's already like in line with the offensive lineman a half a second after the snap. So, like, I thought he was exceptional in this game, the the best player on the defense for sure. And like I said, I thought kind of the, you know the entire unit played pretty well, you know, the entire time. Yeah, it was interesting. Like the guys who came back from injury, I thought generally speaking, all made a pretty big impact. Like. Justin Hardy makes a huge impact when he's on special teams. Like he is legitimately the best gunner in the NFL and he's all pro last year for a reason. And like he comes back in and forces safety because he gets down there. He forced to hold like the punt coverage is way better. Um, Michael Carter comes back. Guess what? He's one of the four or five best slot corners in the NFL and had a really nice game. Shocker. Ashton Davis uh, was injured, but again, second con another second contract guy who, not saying he's going to get this big, massive deal. He's probably a guy you give a year or two extension to, but like he's a really good third safety and really good on special teams. Like that's a valuable asset in the NFL. Um, and then I'm blanking on somebody else that came back from injury that you just literally mentioned. Wow, this is crazy. Um, I'll think of it in a second here. Nah, I, it's 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 useless. It's it's not going to happen. I'll just jump in and say, was Ashton Davis the one who had the? I don't know if it was goal line, but a third yeah, down. Yeah, he forced he yeah. forced a safety too, and then like that was him too. He, yeah. yeah, he was. He, yeah. He was throwing he's got the like body four around. or five turnovers. I think he's he's you know caused their force this year. Um, look at you know, again, like I said, yesterday was just one or two days ago. It's one of those games where like I actually thought, generally speaking, on first and third down at least specifically, Nate Hackett was not that bad. There was a lot of guys open if you go back and watch. Second and ten and run every play is is brutal. Um, out of out of big personnel and under center, like that's a very fair criticism. I actually think that's part of the biggest problem with Hackett is it's very predictable personnel, very predictable, you know, down and distance when he does stuff. That said, got a little more creative. They did some stuff. Boyle just refused to, like, throw any of it. And then Simeon looked like a guy who hadn't played football and, you know, he played one game in the last two years, and it's exactly what happens. Fresh off the bench. And it's unfortunate. Um, I, let's get into, like, what's going on just because I think – Unfortunately, that's the bigger conversation. The Jets are now 4-8. They'd obviously have to win out to make a pl the playoffs. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen, obviously. Um, maybe Brett Rippon gives them a Mike White-like like, Mike White -like spark. But yesterday, obviously, uh, the report comes out from Diana Rossini, comes out from Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic. Zach Wilson basically is reluctant to take back the starting job out of fear of potentially getting injured. Um, he feels like he's scapegoated. What do you make of this whole thing? Because I just, I don't know. There's, I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm curious what you thought. Think of it. Yeah, it. It's super, super bizarre for a number of reasons. So first I'll say this, like, look, I guess you, you could, you never want to say like, oh, a player shouldn't be concerned. They might get hurt. Like, yeah, I get it. It's a human being. It's a guy thinking about the long-term NFL career, but first like you can protect yourself better than anything else. Like I thought Makai Beckton actually looked pretty good in this game too. So you get some tackle. Oh, that was the back. other one I couldn't think of. That was, it was there you back. go. There you go. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he was pretty good. Um, I know his pass block grade is very high. I don't know how he was as a run blocker, but I was looking at his, his pass sets, um, true pass sets, everything. I thought it was it was good. So, like, I get it, but it's like this isn't like you know you're not playing you're not D D uh, David Carr playing for the Houston Texans back in 2005. Like this is it's a legitimate NFL offense. Sure, it's it's you know maybe bottom half now, but like kind of a silly thing from that perspective. And then second, 
you are on a fully guaranteed contract that still has a fully guaranteed year remaining on it. Like you're not a pending free agent. Like I get that you might get cut or whatever, but any money anyone's going to pay you is not going to be more than what you're owed next year. So you're just making, you know, offset money from the Jets, uh, you know, next season anyway. Um, so it's like, I, I just don't even understand in any way, shape or form, like what you, you, I, I get also maybe saying, I, I don't want to get hurt. B, I don't want to put necessarily bad film, you know, on tape for people to see newsflash brother. It can't be any bad than the tape you've already put out there. You have been unplayable and anything you do could be seen as an improvement, frankly, because you're starting from the absolute basement. So bizarre, bizarre thing to say. And like, yeah, it's, it's the beginning of the end. Like he, he can't be a jet next year. There's no fixings coming back from this. It's a waste of everyone's time. Um, he frankly should not have been there this year. I get why it happened. We've talked about it too often, frankly. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was it. That's this, this is the inflection point and you'll have a different setup in the quarterback room starting next year. Yeah. I, I have a couple of things. I, I thought about this. I did some of my own digging on things and just wanted to kind of learn a little bit more. It's unacceptable from Zach. I, I'm sorry. Like I, you can, people can defend him. I've never seen a player in New York sports history be defended more avidly from parts of the fan base than Zach Wilson. For, he's treated like 2000 Derek Jeter on Twitter. It, it's either he, you don't, you don't like him because you're a Mets fan or you think he's God's gift to earth and everyone else is at fault. I, I've had enough. Like he's one of the most unproductive NFL quarterbacks we've ever seen. And I'm sure Zach's a good kid and I'm sure it's not all his fault. There's been a lot of other problems, but you know, Michael LaFleur, who he, you know, he and other folks didn't like, um, not Robert Sala, who wanted to keep him around, not Mike White, who, who produced with him, you know, Michael LaFleur had Josh Johnson, Robert, you know, uh, Mike White and Joe Flacco throwing for 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, et cetera. He, he got scapegoated last year because, you know, he was mean to Zach as Connor Hughes reported uh, a couple weeks ago, he's already extended in LA. You know, and I know he's not the play caller and I'm going to get jumped for saying, you know, like he's a, he's a pretty damn talented coach. Kyle Shanahan thought he was pretty good. He, without any play calling experience, got hired as an NFL coordinator with the number two overall pick and like produced with everyone, but Zach. So there's that. I, I just, it's frustrating because a lot of the things going into the draft that you, if you take the out, if you want the off the field stuff with Zach was he's entitled, et cetera, et cetera. That's as entitled to the statement as you'll see from a player in the NFL is, I'm reluctant to take the starting job. Yes. Has the Jets been offensive lineman perfect? No, obviously it's not. But are you better? Are you a better person than Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon or any of the people? Like, so like you're scared to get hurt. I got, I'm, that's just, it wouldn't fly. And yes, Zach has probably been scapegoated for some of the issues. But at the same time, what else could the Jets still do other than fire hack it on off? They've done everything, right? Like they've basically, they aired out the fact that Lazard's only on a two year deal, not a four year deal, and benched him. They, they, they've made Randall Cobb inactive. They cut Michael Carter. They just cut Tim Boyle. They've moved everyone on the offensive line. Like they bench CJ Uzama. I'm just confused. Like, is he the only one that's like, not like every, I see how oh, he's been treated like shit here. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I, are we watching a different like sport and teams? He's an NFL quarterback making 10 plus million dollars a year, fully guaranteed. Like this isn't a sob story. It's bizarre too, frankly. From so from an unbiased perspective, but I live in New York. Like you throw on the fan, I, the last, starting let's say just in twenty twenty one to now, I think Daniel Jones has caught more flack than Zach Wilson by, by order far. of magnitudes. Yeah, like I'm not even sure it's close. Um, and 
you know, also, like, again, but go back to scapegoated. Salah's defending him every single week in the press conference. Since 2021, Zach Wilson is literally our least accurate quarterback per charting. Not a grade. Literally just every single throw. And, yeah, there's some nuance to that, too. But on throws 10-plus yards downfield is the least accurate quarterback in the entire National Football League with guys like backups and journeymen and people that are no longer in the NFL um, ahead of him on that list. If, you you know, limited to, like, I think it was like 100 dropbacks I looked at. Um, you know, throws 10 plus yards downfield. He's 33rd out of 33 qualifying quarterbacks in the sample. Like he's bad. Like it's not. And Sala week in and week out has been like, actually, I thought he played pretty well. There's other things to clean up. And like, again, yeah, like there probably were certain situations where things were not his fault. There probably were certain situations where, um, yeah, you know, the, the play calling was poor, the protection was poor, but just to, to draw the, the comparison too. And this isn't because I like I love I do love Justin Fields, but like I also am sitting here waiting for him to draft a new quarterback. But nevertheless, Justin Fields, in my opinion, has had a worse situation the last three years. He's gotten hurt sometimes running, but also in the pocket. I think he's had a worse offensive line. I think before DJ Moore, unquestionably had worse pass catchers, even with DJ Moore. I think you probably could argue him and Garrett Wilson cancel out, and the rest is I don't know a wash. Um, and like you've never heard of, it's the exact opposite. This guy would literally tear both ACLs tomorrow and try to play the next week. Like that's that. And I'm not saying every guy's like that. And I understand that, but you know, same draft class, same, you know, similar situations. Like you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't even just, I don't know. It's hard to even characterize like, cause again, like I do think they're going to move on, but he, he is the culture in, in that locker room. Like he, and, and look, he's gotten Chicago media is not nice to him either. And it's just like, he keeps his head down. He works hard. He takes blame for everything, even when it's often not his fault. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I mean, it goes back to a larger conversation of, hey, when we're talking about the next draft, you know, drafted quarterback in New York, can they handle New York media? Can they handle scrutiny? It needs to be a part of the conversation because the answer to that for Zach was no. And, and we probably should have known that, frankly, before, um, you know, going into this whole thing. All right. Like, Again, I this is it's I understand the Jets tried to move on, they they got Rogers, et cetera, but like everyone knew this was a compounded issue that started in March. They didn't move on and get a veteran backup. It compounded again when Rogers goes down the first four plays of the season, as we've heard a million times. They did nothing and they they signed Trevor Simeon three weeks later and he finally was an active player like last week. You know, it, it took a Northwestern grad who's been in multiple offensive schemes twelve weeks to learn a system that have it hard to believe. It just the whole thing is frustrating. And again, it's not out to bash Zach. Like, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I played football my whole life. I would literally go out there right now and play for free in the NFL if someone offered me to. And, and I'd take the consequences. Again, I'm never going to. I'm way too slow and not good enough. But I'm just saying, like, that's how much like the game would mean to me, who's just literally podcasting and, and writing and talking about the game, let alone there's hundreds of quarterbacks that would literally die for the opportunity to play in the NFL and they say, yo, I'm good on like a starting job in the NFL. Like, who the who the fuck are you to say that? I'm sorry. And like he didn't. The reports are true, so I know people are. Oh, Rossini's making it up. Zach's making it up. They're not made up. It's you can ask anybody in that building. It's not made up, and it wasn't just said to players. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, how would how would you handle this the rest of the year? Because it feels like Zach's going to start on Sunday, and we're going to try to put you know water under the bridge. They had Rogers call him, and you know, try to publicly support him on McAfee and and all that different stuff. Uh, I just feel like it's what are we like? What are we doing here? Like. They signing Brett Rippin today. They cut Boyle. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it'll get to our larger conversation here in a second. But what do you, like, the Texans are a good team. But in reality, like, the Jets should be a good team enough, too, to beat teams at home. But, like, 
now with the quarterback play, obviously, and and some of the other there's other issues. It's not just quarterback, but it's a pretty big issue to have that the worst quarterback room probably in NFL history behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, I mean it's interesting too because I actually like the defenses matchup. I get how good the Texans are on offense, but they they built that plane out of explosives, and the Jets limit explosives as well as any defense in the NFL. So like you, we could sit here and kind of dissect how they could slow them down, but. I mean, we're talking about a team that, what, averaged three yards a carry against the Falcons defense without Grady Jarrett. Like, that team, before he went down, they were a great run defense. Since he's gone down, they're not a good run defense. You have Bud Dupree getting home from multiple sacks and forcing a fumble. That guy has had a pressure rate below 10% for, like, five years. In a row. That's probably hyperbolic. But anyway, like, you're losing to guys that haven't beat anybody else this season. Um, and just, like, that can't really happen. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you do. At this point, it's all a wash. You know, we hate this conversation. You do – you want to get the highest first round draft pick as possible. You have your own first now because Rogers is not going to play the 65% of snaps, whatever that number was. Um, that's your solace. And you just hope you get a top five pick drop in a Malik neighbors with Garrett Wilson and just, just forget 2023 ever happened. But, you know, I understand that Jets fans are, are tired of hearing that. Um, you know, again, as a Bears fan, we, we hear that every year and we'd like to actually care about the, uh, the NFL product at some point. Yeah, like there's obviously a world in which the Jets win their six or seven games here. I don't know. They figured out they beat Washington. Maybe they beat Houston. They beat New England last week or something, whatever it is. Let's just say for argument's sake, they do lose out. Um, I still believe Salah and Douglas will be here. Um, I just don't really know that there's a world in which they're not. I think for a couple of reasons, I'm curious your thoughts on it. One, we talked about this a little bit, I believe, last week. With the number of hirings and firings there's going to be, the Jets' job at best is – middle of the pack because they have a decent amount of cap space they do have a really good young core you'd have rogers for a year or two so like you're hoping they can you know he can win a very little flourish like i win a ton of games my first couple years and i bought myself equity for two or three more obviously he's done a really good job this year towards the last six weeks but i'm just saying in general maybe that's kind of what you do there so maybe they're middle of the pack job let's just say also, you could argue they're a bottom of the pack job because you have pretty much no control over quarterback or the roster for the next year or two and and all that stuff. My argument would be the time to blow it up would be after this year, like after next year, where if it goes poorly, everyone's gone, Rogers is gone, the whole thing's blown up, and you basically are building your young core around whoever they draft this year, whatever young players, and it's Sauce, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, Quinnen, you know, Quincy Williams, CJ Mosley's probably towards the end at that point you know, JFM, Jermaine, and then like offensively, it's Brees Garrett and whoever else you add, and that that's your core. I would say that's the argument to not fire them, and that's why I think they will be here is because like everyone's going to get a mulligan, the ABT injury, Rodgers, so on and so forth. My only thing that's concerning is let's just say they do lose out or, or they, you know, win one more game and they beat the Patriots and they pick third. Like they should just take Marvin Harrison, run the – run the car to the podium and run out Brees Hall, Marvin Harrison, and Garrett Wilson for the next 10 years and be you, you're the Bengals, but a, kind of honestly might be a, I don't know, maybe Marvin Harrison is going to be Jamar Chase, but uh, Garrett Wilson's better than T Higgins or going to be better than T Higgins or at least comparable. And Brees Hall is probably better than Joe Mix, whatever. It's probably the same kind of similar concept. My point is like, that's one, or you trade back and you say, we're going to still get a Malik neighbors, and have two extra first round picks to they'll go get the quarterback next year in the draft. I just like, do you trust this regime that has gotten, you know, Joe Douglas has had, he had Darnold. They did nothing. He added no talent to the roster, got rid of him. Had Zach. He's had Rogers. Like you're getting a fourth quarterback with like under 35, 
you know, 35 games under 500. It's like, I don't know, man. Like they've done a really good job at drafting defensive talent offensively. It's Brees Garrett. And I don't like who else is like really flash. Like I guess Becton, like kind of record kind. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like we're picking at straws here. Yeah. I mean, Becton, the talent is there, but I, you know, I also feel like, and there's probably too much of this narrative, but like, yeah, it's a top 15 pick tackle. Like I would hope he's pretty good. Um, you know, and, and we talk about neighbors, obviously they could go for Sean they could go Joe Alt and, and, and address that issue. And, and to that point, what I think is interesting, like you come from when you're Douglas, you know, organizations that are so predicated on the trenches, you let, a, a, you know, a, a Morgan Moses walk. He's been excellent in Baltimore pretty much since the day he got there. And now your tackle situation has been a disaster since then. You make a huge expenditure on Lake and Tomlinson. You could argue he's been fine. He's not been worth the contract. But like, could, in any but way like everyone thought they were going to sign Sheriff, and Sheriff's been really good for two years in Jacksonville and somehow stayed healthy. Classic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after, yeah, he couldn't stay healthy at all. But yeah, so it's like, you know, it's, it's just interesting, right? I mean, because that, that has been the biggest miss. Quarterback, obviously, the other one. But, but the offensive line just really has been a miss. Not of the Giants' magnitude or anything like that, but – yeah, I think you're right, though. Anyway, long answer short, you just let the timelines line up. Rodgers gets Rogers and Salah and Douglas get 2024. If that go, if that doesn't go well, everything starts over. You build around the foundational pieces you just mentioned. Um, if it does go great, yeah, maybe they do get a chance to say, hey, you know what? You did identify a ton of talent. Quarterback was tough, but it's tough for everybody. We think you are more you know, stable and reliable than the Idziks and, and McCagnans and et cetera's of the world. So we're going to give you one more shot and see if you can finally make it work. Um, you know, especially because in theory, you then have a Garrett Wilson and either a blue chip tackle or another number, you know, number one caliber receiver um, to let that guy step into. Whereas, you know, Zach's first year obviously wasn't stepping into much. But yeah, I, there's no, I don't think there's any point in doing it this year because a you then have this like misalignment of you know the coaching staff and the front office and rogers and all that so there's kind of just like awkwardness there how attractive is that job going to be not very like it's a good team and you get a year of rogers i understand that but these coaches are thinking like ngm so they're thinking like where can i go and last a very long time i suppose now that i think about it like you'd say right, i get the rogers runway and i get a draft pick so i do kind of get some some runway there yeah but what if but it like, goes bad what if it goes bad next year and rogers gets right, hurt again right. you don't have a good backup and you go f- five and twelve like then you're right now you're totally screwed you have no excuse no you're right you're 100 right right whereas like i get that these jobs aren't you know like aren't super but like washington with all the money and draft picks like chicago maybe with all the money and draft but like you know, whatever, like those jobs are going to be very attractive. So anyway, yeah, long answer short, you, you, you run this whole thing back next year, Sands, Zach Wilson, you add some talent on offense and just hope everything swings much more in your direction. Yeah. What's so I'll, I'll do like a hypothetical here. What's more realistic. What's a more objectively, I guess, like smart way to approach this. There, there's like a glass half full side of things that would be, you finish with a top five pick, top five, top six pick. You end up with a premium tackle, Marvin Harrison or Brock Bowers, or a trade back in which you still get a Malik Neighbors or, you know, uh, another a top flight receiver, top flight, you know, offensive lineman, et cetera. So you end up with a really, you know, premium pick in, in 24. Rodgers is healthy. You address, you take a, you know, a day three or day two quarterback. You put him as a third stringer and all that stuff. You add one or two guys in free agency. You basically redo the offense with Rodgers. It's, better which you're at least the top half the nfl offense 
and you bring pretty much most people back on defense. You probably tag Huff or, you know, you restructure Q and all these different guys. And you basically just, you know, that's the one question I want to get to in a second with you. But so that's a glass half full. Like the bills are only going more down and, you know, the dolphins are what they are, but the dolphins have a million free agents and they're gonna have to pay to and, and all this different stuff. And then the Patriots still stink. So like, that's a glass half full. The chiefs are obviously, you know, kind of in a little bit of flux that they're kind of turning over as a team, the AFC, it's like really tough, but also we've seen everyone's kind of like good, but thin, you know, a lot in the teams in the AFC and like the Jets should be right up there. Right. Like that's the glass half full or you get Devante and, you know, a tackle, whatever, it doesn't matter. But like, there's a very clear path. Like this thing works really well in 24. There's also Rogers is fine and good, but like they win nine games. They're a seven seed. They, miss on a draft pick or they they don't get one of the top guys because they win too many games here and they end up with like a solid you know a solid guy nine or something they let huff walk they like you know or and they they don't add Devonte. and instead they add they add michael Pittman, but they overpay him and they pay him 24 million dollars a year and like as much as i love mike pitt like he doesn't work it whatever that's like the glass half empty is like this coaching staff might not be good, et cetera. Like what's more realistic. I know it's probably hard to say that, but like, I feel like the glass half full is not unrealistic at all, but I also feel like it's kind of just being optim. It is optimistic to like, think all these things will go well. It is. It is. Yeah. Your USC guy, Mike Pitt. Uh, I love Mike Pitt. I wanted Pitt. the Jets. The Jets should have drafted him and said they, uh, <laughs> instead of trading up for him, they, they traded back and got Denzel Mims. Great job. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Trade trade down twice. Um, I remember that. Remember that draft. Yeah, I mean, gotta read the, gotta no, read the board. Good, gotta read the board. Gotta read the board. Gotta read the board. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you're not gonna get a Jabari Zuniga unless you unless you wheel and deal, my friend. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just how these things work. So uh, let's not let's not open up in old wounds. James about James fresh. Morgan, the goat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is he still the is St. Louis uh, Battlehawks? He's uh, he's on the Hackenberg track of just never playing an NFL game ever. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. Um, anyway, anyway, no, it's a fair point. It's a fair. At the same time, like you look at the the AFC. Obviously, Rogers is part of this, but like the attrition at quarterback, including last night with Trevor Lawrence, is insane. Like, and, and you know what looked like an absolute gauntlet and, and an incredibly tough conference where the playoffs were going to be seven, seven juggernauts battling it out. I'm now sitting here being like, so Miami and like Baltimore maybe threaten KC and like that's it. Like. Um, you know, the Jags defense is pathetic. I try to talk myself into them all year long and they're dead to me. Um, but anyway, so try telling everybody. Yeah, they're dead to me. Yeah, they're dead to me. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so no, like I, I see what you're saying, but I do think at the same time, and sure this is optimistic, but and maybe you need to change the turf at MetLife to grass or something. But like all the things that happen in the negative, like these are regression things. These are things that can swing the opposite direction. You know, just example off the top of my head, like 2018 San Francisco 49ers versus 2019 San Francisco 49ers was the exact same scenario with Bob Sala in the building. You have all these injuries. You pick way higher than your talent probably should have you pick. And, oh, you land Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, and off to the races you go. So, like, there are definitely outcomes where, um, you know, our arguments to why, you know what, this actually either we contend with Rodgers or this is maybe, you know, if he got hurt in week 10 versus four snaps into the season, like maybe that's worse. Maybe you still send your first round pick to the Packers. If he plays enough games, yada, yada, let's, let's, let's get some positive variants. He's ahead of schedule health wise. Um, and just hope 2024 is, is the polar opposite. Yeah. Like 
again, who knows what will happen, but, like, the fact that there's a world in which, like, they could theoretically have Rodgers, Brees, Garrett, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is kind of insane. Um, by the way, if they pick two, this is controversial, I guess, because I think everyone should take the quarterback, and I'm probably going to, like, change my tune on this. But if, as of today, if they lost out and they picked two, and if you don't take, like, 100,000 picks under the sun – for that pick, giving yourself an opportunity. I guess I could be an idiot and they should just take Mayor Caleb, but like, man, like you could be stacked as a franchise for like a long time. And I just feel like in that, but like Joe Douglas never trades down. So I don't know. It's, I don't even know how we're talking about it. He'd probably draft the, probably draft the defensive end. It's like 23 or 24, uh, you know, at two. But like in reality, like if you're there at three, generally speaking, and I know we'll talk more about this as time goes on, like you're drafting Marvin Harrison and I won't hear a single thing about it. And no world in which am I taking a tackle over Marvin Harrison. I'm sorry. I'm not like he, he might be a top more chase last night. Like, like it's a more nuanced conversation that I totally understand that. But if you want to elevate a young quarterback, it's not, it's not an argument. It really isn't. You're telling me that like he's not him and Garrett Wilson would each have a hundred catchers next year with Rogers. Like dude, yeah, dude, disgusting. Um, obviously, we'll we'll talk more about a lot of that stuff as we go on. I'm sure Zach's going to start. We'll get. A, I'm sure it'll get announced at some point today. Um, appreciate you. You know, taking some time as always. You know, stay positive, everybody. Again, not trying to rip Zach, but at the same time, saying I'm good or reluctant to play. Uh, just it just doesn't sit right. Um, you know, with me and I, I know Brad's the same way. Just. Again, I get it. There's circumstances, there's excuses, there's reasons why he could feel the way he feels, but um, got to either find better friends, um, you know, or find better people to tell these things to, or um, just maybe keep it to yourself just because small world stuff gets out. And when you're producing the way you are saying you're good on uh, and going back in the games, it's, it's tough. It's a tough look. Tough luck, baby. Yeah, stay positive. Stay positive. This thing can swing next year or, or, and, and also I mentioned this before, I know we're wrapping up, but, I don't like the Bills and Dolphins situations in this upcoming offseason. Yeah, they can spend a bunch oh, of money. Oh, that's what I want to ask you out, quickly. But... That's what I want to ask you yeah. quickly. Like, how much cap space can the Jets, like, or are they likely going to have? I mean, I know, you know, the Huff situation is going to be, you know, a big deal. But it seems like if you kind of mess around on over the cap, like, there's a lot of restructuring that could be done. And, like, the only real, like, big money is, like, Tomlinson and, and C.J. Mosley, who you could both theoretically restructure if you wanted to. Looking at like 35 already right now, if you include carryover from this season. Um, and then, like you mentioned, there are a bunch of different ways to clear room. Yeah. Tomlinson, you know, could clear you $8 million. Again, obviously you can also do the post June one, all those various mechanisms, but because the Rogers restructure cap is not an issue. And if they'd say it is, they're lying. I mean, cash can be like this year. I actually, I actually understood when they kind of came out and we're like, we're spending a ton of cash. They were. Um, the salary cap is not a constraint on this team in 2024. Um, if they want to load up, like you said, make a Devontae Adams move, et cetera, um, that they can do that, um, you know, barring the cash budget and all those things. But yeah, it's, it's not, a, it's not that big of a constraint. And like I said, like they, these teams can navigate this, but the pending free agent list in Miami is insane. Um, and even the guys that just need in-house extensions is also a long list. Uh, and then the bills, you know, you, you and I probably talked about it. Uh, this season, isn't surprising to me in any way, shape, or form how it's gone for Buffalo. We both said it before the year started. So Yep. No, I'm on the same page as you. I'll be back uh, later this week. We'll do a – DJ will come on. We'll talk some Texans, Jets. We'll talk uh, some some fun stuff. Appreciate you hopping on as always, and we'll uh, we'll talk to everybody later this week.